Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. That's what we're talking about today, love does. Because love is a verb. Because in our culture, when I say love, you say, oh, puppies and kitties. You think love, you think Hallmark movies. Some of y'all are a little bitter, you got a little twitch because the Christmas Hallmark movies are gone. All right, you got a little holiday hangover, right? Because they're gone and you're sneaking them late at night because you need to watch your movies, okay? I don't mean like love like that because in our culture, love is an emotion. It's a warm fuzzy. But in scripture, love is an action. Love is a verb. And scripture even goes so far, so bold to say, God is love. God is love. So when we look at love does, we're looking at love, we're looking at the nature of God, the character of God. And if you're a Christ follower, if we want to follow him and grow more and more like him every day, that means we should figure out what love is because that is who we are called to be. We're called to love one another. I'm talking about the kind of love that gets you to serve, the kind of love that gets you to fight for your city, to invite your neighbors to church, to, 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 to give and serve and change this world. That is the love I'm talking about. We're also celebrating baptism, which scripture says is about new life. It says it's a celebration. Scripture's weird, though, because it compares baptism to new clothes. That's a little weird. That's a little weird. Because when I think of new clothes, I think of H&M. Holler at your boy. All right, Express. If there's a sale, like a big, like a big sale. Y'all know what I'm talking about, like a big old sale. Y'all, y'all do the Amazon clothes? I have a, they, they never fit right. And anyone do that? Anyone bold to go two-day? Two okay, that's cool. I'm not talking about that kind of clothes. I'm talking about new clothes in a spiritual sense. That's what we're talking about today. Now, when I think of baptism, I think of a story of me. I was maybe 11 or 12. I don't know about you, but when I was like 11, you know what we did? We hung out in the woods a lot. We goofed around in the woods, fireworks, goofing around, doing this, doing that. And we would hang out in the woods a lot. And one particular day, I'll never forget, we were real hungry. And we were 11, 12-ish. We wanted some healthy food. Now, this gasp, this is before Whole Foods. <gasps> okay? This is before Whole Foods was around. So we had to go to the second best, healthiest option on the block. Y'all know what that is? That's Taco Bell. <laughs> yes, son. Now, who loves Taco Bell? All right, respect. Cheesy Gordita Crunch. Amen. All right, little Baja Blast. Okay? Um, who hates Taco Bell? All right, who just says, oh, nasty. Nasty. So everyone in the room is either now hungry or sick. It's, it's very polarizing. But we were 11, 12. We, we needed Taco Bell. So we knew a way through the woods to get there. We didn't have cars, but we did have some money, and we knew the shortcut. And in order for us to get to Taco Bell, we had to, we had to cross this, uh, this creek. It wasn't really a creek. It was more like a stream. That's being too gracious. It was more like a, a ditch, a little ditch. It was a drainage ditch. Y'all know the kind with like the nasty scum, like inches of nasty on top, the scum, the snakes, maybe a turtle, something swirling around in there, just nasty stuff. I don't know what exactly is in there. That's what we had to cross to get there. But we were in luck because some other kids had built a bridge. All right. We called it snake bridge because snakes lived under the bridge. And when I say bridge, this is not a marvel of modern engineering. Okay. This is essentially some sticks and some boards. And there was a door. I don't know where they got a door from. But there was this door, and we were hungry. We needed to cross it. And I don't think I was the bravest. I think I was the hungriest. I said, I'll go first. I'll go first. So I, I, my friend was a good friend. He grabbed my arm like this, and I started inching across the snake bridge. 
And I got about halfway across, and I heard a sound no boy would want to hear. I heard crack, and the snake bridge collapsed. And my friend, being a good friend, he let go. Whoop, nope, too close. (laughs) I didn't commit to all that. And he left me to fall in the snake pit ditch. So not only am I in the middle of the woods, not only am I hungry for Taco Bell even more, but I'm covered in slime and muck and nasty and there's snakes around, okay, and it's dirty. But the worst part is that I couldn't clean myself up. That was the worst part. We were in the middle of the woods. I had no way to clean myself up. There was no way. I would have gone for a a stranger's hose. I would have jumped a fence and gone in a pool. I would have, I would have found a cleaner ditch and jumped in that. I was desperate, but there was no way for me to clean myself. Now, this is a silly story and you may feel it's fun to enjoy me 11 or 12, no beard in a puddle, laughing at me like all my friends. You might get a kick out of that, but the point is this. The scripture says, That spiritually, that is all of our conditions. Like, spiritually, that's who we are. And you may be thinking, this is, what? What are you talking about? Because scripture says that we're actually lost. We're in this woods. We're lost. We don't know where to go. And we love to to hold on to things which we think will get us there. We say, I'm going to cross that bridge. I'm going to go all in on that. You know what? See that bridge? I'm going to trust that. This hand, I'm going to grab onto that. But these things which we rely on to for protection and identity... And to get us, you know, through the week, they only let us down. If it hasn't let you down yet, it's going to let you down at some point. We jump onto things. We jump onto things and we look for safety in them. We look for identity in them. We look for protection in them, fulfillment in them. For some of y'all, it's your Instagram. It's Instagram. Makes you feel good. Got a lot of followers. I feel good. Makes me feel important. Makes me feel, makes me feel hot. I like this. People care about me. Well, what about when Instagram goes out of style? How dare he say that? Y'all remember MySpace? Where's Tom now? I don't know where he is. He gone. He gone. You know, if you're going all in on Instagram, what's going to happen if it's gone? Right? Um, Maybe it's your kids. You're saying kids are a good thing. Of course they're a good thing. But if you base your whole identity, your whole being on your children, being a good mom, as long as they're believers in Jesus, I'm happy. As long as they take this job, marry the right person, I'm okay. Not only will you smother them, you will devalue your spouse. You'll devalue your God. You'll look to them for identity, for value, for everything. It's a trap. It's a trap. You'll smother them. And trying to love them more because you elevate them so much, you drive them away. We make idols out of things. We take good things. We make them ultimate things. How about career? Same thing. That's a good thing. Work hard. Build a career. That's a, this is good stuff. But when you make it about your identity, when you find so much value in it, you're just setting yourself up for disaster. What's the bridge you're trusting in? Whose hand are you holding on to? And the second going gets tough, it's going to drop you and leave you in the pit ditch, nasty, funky, smelling spot. What is that thing? Just figure it out for a second. What is that thing? It's usually a good thing that we make an ultimate thing. So y'all are thinking, why did I come to church today? This is awful. You talked about Taco Bell. I didn't get a Super Bowl treat. You made me, you told me I was lost. You told me I'm Instagram is going to go away. Like what a tear, what an awful day. I should have gone to citrus. I should have got my mimosa. I knew I was trying to be good. I said, I'll go to church, then get my mimosa. Why did I come today? There's a good side. There's a good side because although scripture does say we're lost, 
Although it does say we can't clean ourselves up, we can't be our own Lord and Savior, God has a plan. God has a rescue plan. And from the very first pages of Scripture, from the second we turn from him, from the second we get ourselves in a mess, from the second we actually need help, he shows up with a rescue plan, with a redemption plan, and that is what we're talking about today. Let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Father God, we thank you for baptism. We thank you for new life. We thank you for celebration. May today be a party of your goodness, of your grace, of your love. God, help us keep an open mind and an open heart to what you may say. We may be tempted to be offended or angered at something we hear today. God, help us just keep an open mind and maybe learn a new perspective. We love you. We thank you for this time. In your son's good name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the text. We're going to start in Genesis. This is the first book of the Bible, first page of the Bible. We're going to Genesis 2. You can follow along on an app called YouVersion. We got all the notes in there for you, or look up right behind me. We're going to Genesis 2.1. This is called creation. God creates everything. He creates the heavens and the earth. He calls it good. He creates us. This is awesome. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Some of y'all see this in just the spiritual story. Some of y'all think this is historical. That's, that's the camp I in, I'm in. There's a lot of different ways to read this. I'm in the historical camp, but there's spiritual truth in it. And the Lord God commanded the man. He said, look, you're free to eat any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of it, you will certainly die. So God creates everything. He says it's good, it's beautiful, it's perfect. They're having a time. Things are amazing. And then God says, see, you can have as much as you want. But see that tree right there? If you eat from that tree, surely you'll die. God says, don't eat it. Surely you will die. Surely you will die. Surely you will die. And Adam said, don't call me Shirley. (laughs) No? Yeah? Dad joke? Is it too early for a dad joke? My bad. My bad. Well, it's, it's a weird thing because if you're new to faith, you're like, that's a little dramatic, God. First off, why'd you put it in here if I'm not supposed to eat it? Right? You made the, you made the thing. And secondly, what's the big deal? Aren't you a God of love, grace, forgiveness? What's, what's the big deal? The point about the tree, it's not a magical tree. It doesn't do this or do that. The whole point about this tree that makes it special is simply that God said not to do it. God said, love me for me, trust me for who I am. But humankind has this terrible tendency of setting ourselves up as our own Lord and Savior. Saying, I know better, I can do better, I can one-up you, I think I got a better perspective than you. We do whatever the heck we want to do. That phrase in there is interesting. Surely you will die or certainly you will die. Literally in Hebrew, it says, dying you shall die. Meaning if you eat from that tree, dying you shall die. What does that mean? Some people read that as like, it's like a legal, it's like, it's like a sentencing. Like you, you sped, you get a ticket. You know, you, your library books are late, you owe 10 cents. You ate from the tree, surely you will die. Some people don't read it quite like that. They read it differently. They, they, they read it as meaning almost like the clock is ticking. Like you did it, you turned from God, you separated from him. You're going to start dying now and you'll die later. That mimosa sounds good right now, doesn't it? You're like, why did I come here? This is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard. I just want you to have a new perspective. Because a lot of us look at this and say, God's mean, he's cruel. Why why would he do that? The reality is this. If God is the author of life, if he's the creator of all things good and life itself, if he created you, we would have to be connected to him in order to live. That just makes sense. 
and to disconnect from him, to turn away from him, to go the different way, all that would do is cause pain and isolation and eventually death. Is anyone here really bad with like plants? Like you kill every plant you ever had. Like you can't even, like goldfish is a risk, too much commitment. Like, okay, we got a few plant people. Imagine if I gave you a plant. And this is a simple plan. This plant doesn't take much. I give you a plant and said, I want you to take care of it. And within a week, you never watered it. You didn't put it by the window. You put it in the closet for some reason. And just to go the extra mile, you wanted to prune it a little bit, but you accidentally pruned all the roots. You dug into the dirt and you literally snipped all the roots. Let's say you did that. That plant would die. And you might be frustrated it died, but you couldn't argue with the logic of it. If you cut off his roots, of course, it's going to die. It's going to starve. That's what happens to us in a spiritual sense if we're disconnected from God. That's not mean God. That's just logical. If he's the source of life and we disconnect from him, if we turn from him, that is just a natural result of the consequences of saying we don't need you. We don't want you. 25, Adam and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. Somebody say naked. You can't say naked in church. Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame on you. They were naked and they felt no shame. In the Bible, nakedness means means complete vulnerability. They had nothing to hide, nothing to run from. They were just wide open there. They weren't embarrassed. They weren't ashamed. They were just there in perfect relationship with God, with creation, with one another. Next up comes something that we call the fall. The fall, meaning think of me on the bridge falling into the water. The fall, boom, into the mess. Humanity fell, meaning we looked at the tree and we said, what does he know? Come on, it's just a little bite. Adam and Eve took a bite and they fell. Immediately, they realized they were naked. They ran, they hid in shame. They tried to cover it up. Genesis 3, 8 through 9 says this. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So they said, oh, Shoot, God's coming. Let's hide behind that tree. He's on his way. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man. He said, where are you? Where are you? If if your child has just done something that needs your help, you go immediately, don't you? Like if you're scrolling Instagram stories or if you're watching Netflix, what are y'all watching on Netflix these days? Mary Kondo, y'all tidying up? Y'all getting tidy? little bit. What else you watching? Tell me. What's with all the serial killer shows on Netflix? That's a weird thing that Netflix always makes them. And it's weirder that we always watch them. We're like, that's sick. Oh, let me just watch a few minutes. That's weird. What, what else? Anything else? Ice Road Truckers. Oh, that's manly. I like that. I like that. That's great. So if you're watching Ice Road Truckers or Ted Bundy, and your child needed you, you would put everything down and run, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be like, I got 14 minutes in this episode. Can you hold on? That's what God did. God immediately said, my children need me, and he comes to us. This verse right here in the first few sentences of the Bible shows us God's heart because love goes. God immediately is devising a rescue plan, a strategy to love you, to bring you home, to clothe you, to give you hope, and to give you a future because we can't do it ourselves. We absolutely can't do it ourselves. Do you see our God? He comes to find us. God had every right to just walk away. He did. We couldn't have blamed him. 
He said, don't do it. You'll die. He could have just been like, oh, well, it's fine. But he comes to us. Do you see what love does? He goes. Love goes. Love does not sit still. Love does not say, that sucks. Love does not say, I told you so. Love goes. Love acts. Love works. Love makes it right. And love fights for those it loves. That's what our God does for me and for you. Do you see what God asks? God said, where are you? Kind of a dumb question. He's God. He knows where they are. You think he didn't look behind that elm over there? Oh, I can't find you guys. But it's a question that is loaded with meaning. God wants to know where you are. God cares where you are. And I want to ask you, maybe no one's asked you this in a while. Where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually? Where, where, where are you right now? Because we all have those friends. Someone maybe asked you today. They said, how are you doing? And what would you say? You say, good. Now, you could have had the worst night of your life. You could have cried yourself to sleep last night. But most people, how are you doing? Good. Good. God isn't that kind of God. God isn't that kind of friend. He don't want the surface level. He wants to dig down. He wants to know where are you. Maybe you've never thought of this. I want to ask you, where are you spiritually? Are you connected with God or are you disconnected from him? Have you never thought of him before or are you closer than ever before? Maybe you're in church, so you're like, I'm good. But maybe you just sit in the back. You don't talk to anyone. You're not in a group on a team. You just kind of sit in the back and chill. I want to know, where are you? Where are you? God cares where you are. And you need to know something. No one is beyond God's reach. No one in this room, and someone maybe is thinking this, I'm not welcome at that church. I'm not welcome in God's grace in his presence. I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've ignored him for my whole life. I wanted to tell you, no one is beyond God's love. No one's past redemption. Some of you honest to God think that. But he wants to know you. He wants to seek you out. He wants to ask you, where are you? Let's talk about shame for a second. You see, love doesn't wait for you to come out of hiding. Love goes to you in your hiding. Love, love comes to you in your shame. Have you ever done something stupid and a friend caught you and they could have just ruined you? They could have told everybody. They could have blew it open. They could have walked away. They could have guilted you. They could have posted it online. They, they could have done something stupid. But instead of that, they said, you know what? We're in this together. I'll walk you through this. I'm going to have your back. You can pray with me. You can cry with me. I'll make you a meal. Let's walk through this together. That's what love does. Love does not shame. Love does not guilt. Love seeks out. Let's walk together. That's love. That's who our God is. But you might think he's hiding from you. Honestly, some of y'all think God doesn't want me. He's hiding from me. I've been trying to find him. He's hiding from you. Scripture says the opposite. He's not hiding from you. We are hiding from him. He's the one trying to find us, trying to bring us home, and we are going the opposite way. He is holding out his hand. Do you, do you see it? He's calling out his voice. Where are you? Do you hear him? I want to ask, will someone take his hand today? Because he wants to walk you through your divorce. He wants to walk you through your uncertainty. He wants to guide you through your doubt. He wants to walk you through that addiction that nobody else knows about but him. That is the love of our God. That's the love of our God. I want to ask you, are you hiding from him? Maybe your whole life until now you thought he was hiding from you. Are you hiding from him? Verse 10. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. (laughs) Kind of a weird thing to say. Adam, 
You've always been naked. Did you just, did you, oh, I didn't realize I was naked. What? You were naked, so you hit it. was a change of consciousness because this is what we do. This is what sin does. It separates. It isolates. We hide from God. I want to ask you, are you hiding from God? Some of there's many ways to do so. Some of you hide from God. Some of you hide from church. Some of you come to church, but, but mentally you disconnect. You're like, I'm going to sit in the back, not going to put myself out there, not going to get involved, not going to serve. That's a way of hiding from God. This day and age is the first time in history you can have 3,000 friends on Facebook, you can have 10,000 Instagram followers, and not a single actual friend. That's crazy. And you look good on Instagram. You look darn good, but that's your highlight reel. People don't see behind the scenes. People can't swipe that far. There's not that option. There's not that option on there, but that's what we can do. And people say, no, they're good. Everything's fine. Their marriage is great. Kids are great. They got money. Everything's great. But deep down, we can be broken inside. I want to ask you, who are you hiding from? Who are you hiding from? How are you hiding from God? Genesis 3.21. This part, this part breaks my heart. Several times I've read this, and it's actually made me weep when you realize what he does. Genesis 3.21. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. Today, I came to tell you, love goes. Love goes. It goes to us. It does not leave us in our nakedness, in our darkness, hiding, and in our shame. God comes to us. If we feel lost, if we feel shamed, if we feel like we were hiding, if we were covering up, you thought God wanted to send you to a timeout. No, God wants to bring you close. God comes to find. God comes to heal. Love comes to redeem. It comes to clothe. God wants to cover you in his love. I wanted to tell you, God loves God is love. That is every essence of his being. And I told you that love goes. I also wanted to tell you love clothes. Here's what I mean. Love wants to clothe you. It wants to cover your nakedness. It wants to wipe away your past that you're so humiliated over. You're so embarrassed of. It wants to wash all that away. It wants to give you a new start, a second chance, a fresh, a fresh look at things. Picture this, a child in the tub. Love wants to pick that child up, dry him off, keep him or her warm in that towel. That is love. Love goes, but love also clothes. But did you see what it took in order for me and you to be clothed? Because you may be just thinking, oh, that's easy. God's just saying, oh, yeah, I'll give you, I'll make you some, we'll swing by H&M, we'll swing by, we'll swing by Express. There is a sale going on right now, right? I'll get you some clothes. But if you look at what it says, it says, it says, it says this, this is, this is alarming. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin. Hmm. Something had to die in order for us to be clothed. Something had to die. And whatever had to die was probably a little lamb. This was an innocent third party. The lamb didn't do anything. The lamb wasn't involved with the tree. The lamb was probably thinking, how am I involved in all this? But the lamb, the innocent had to die to cover me and to cover you. You need to know love sacrifices. Love absolutely sacrifices. This little lamby had to die. God had to sacrifice for us to be clothed. A friend of mine, he's a dad too, and he's got a daughter, and I don't know how old she is, but 
She, she's, she's past this age, right? Every night right now, she gets up and she comes in his room and she wakes him up. And like all parents, he says, what time is it? Because that's what we parents do in the middle of the night. And she says, daddy, can you come tuck me in? And she's beyond the age. She's able to tuck herself in, right? And every night he says, honey, can't, can't you tuck yourself in? And you know what she says? She says, daddy, I like the way you do it. That's how we have to be with God. We have to, when we try to cover ourselves, when we try to fix our mess, when we try to redeem our marriage, when we try to find purpose, we just screw it up. We got a mess of sheets. We make things worse. We need daddy to come into the mix and get things straightened out. And it's a good thing that love does. It's a good thing that love goes. And you might not realize this, but this one I'm talking about today, this is a picture of baptism. It's a picture of baptism. You say, what? Because scripture says that love does this. Love covers us. It gives us a fresh set of clothes. It covers our nakedness and our shame. And Galatians 3.27 says this. Now, this is thousands of years later, past Adam and Eve, after Jesus walked the earth, after he lived and died. Galatians comes along. Paul wrote this in Galatians 3.27. It says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It's an odd way to talk about baptism because we're not, there's no clothes involved. We're we're getting dunked in the water and being brought out. But he's trying to say this. He's trying to show us that Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the lamb that had to die in order to cover us. Jesus was innocent. And that little picture we see in Genesis is a little prophecy, a little snapshot, a little arrow pointing of God saying, look, in order for me to cover you spiritually and eternally, something innocent is going to have to die. It's going to have to die to clothe me and to clothe you, to wrap us up. Because baptism is washing, but baptism is also clothing. And his name is Jesus. He is the love of God. His love goes, it clothes, it washes, it renews and restores. And what you need to know also is that's because Jesus goes. Jesus clothes us. Jesus washes us. Jesus renews us. Jesus restores. I came to tell you love died in order to clothe me and to clothe you. Love had to suffer. It had to die to cover our nakedness, to cover our brokenness, to cover our shame. That's what Jesus had to do. The gospel is this. The good news is this. Because some of y'all have no idea what Christianity teaches. You, You think it teaches try harder, be good, follow the rules, do more good things than bad things, and God will accept you. The opposite is true. The exact opposite is true. Christianity says this, that God loves you so much. He saw you in your nakedness. He saw you in your shame. He saw you trying to hide, trying to cover up, trying to fix your past, trying to mend your mistakes, trying to get past this and that. And God loved you so much, he sent his son into the world. That's Jesus. And Jesus lived this perfect life. And he actually died this perfect death. He died as a substitute on the cross for me and for you in order that we can be clothed. You see, baptism is a picture of how God redeems us. You see, he took our mess so we could be clean. He took our death so we could have life. He took our nakedness on the cross. He was naked up there so you and I could be clothed. And baptism is a picture of that. It's a picture of it on how we join him in his death and we are risen to new life in Christ, washed anew, our past gone, full of life and purpose and meaning and a glorious future. That's why we celebrate today. 
That's why baptism is a big deal. It's a picture of this, that God from day one, maybe from minute one, maybe even before that, had a plan to redeem you and to restore you. Because just like me in that silly story, we're all lost in the woods. We're all dirty. We need to be clean, but we can't, we can't quite figure it out ourselves. We don't quite have what it takes to make the situation better. And often when we try, we end up making it worse. But God loved you so much. Remember, love goes. Jesus went from heaven to earth. Love goes. He taught us. He walked alongside us. Love goes. He went up onto a cross. Love goes. He died to bring you home, to cover you, to cleanse you, to redeem you, to breathe new life into you, and to give you a completely new set of clothes, a new identity, a fresh start, a new life. Church, that is what we celebrate today. I want to ask you, where are you? Where are you? Are you running from God? Are you over in that, behind that tree saying, don't look at me? No, 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 I'm fine, I'm good. Are you close to God, but you're keeping him at a little arm's length? Is there an area of your life he's asking you to surrender to him and you just haven't done it? God, you can have this part of me, but not my sex life. God, you, you can have most of me, but not my finances. Mm-mm. God, you, I'll come an hour once or twice a month, but I'm not going to serve the community. I'm not going to serve the community. I'm not going to serve the church. I'm not going to serve the homeless. Where are you right now? I wanted you to know God is not mad at you. He's not sending you to timeout. He wants to come into your life. He wants to call you by name, to fill you with his love, to fill you with his Holy Spirit, to give you magnificent, glorious purpose. And that, and that alone is why we celebrate today. So church, I don't want to delay anymore. Let's celebrate baptism. Let us pray. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.